Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. My orders are sa police, pati military. My orders are to the police, the military, and the local districts. If they become unruly and they fight you and your lives are in danger, shoot them dead. That was Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte back in April, giving orders to the police to shoot anyone who fought back against the country's strict quarantine orders. Earlier that day, protesters in the Philippine capital, Manila, were arrested at a rally when they were demanding food and aid from the government. They were arrested for staging a rally without a permit. I think it's become increasingly clear that President Trump downplayed the early threat of the virus here in the United States, and that President Duterte did the same in the Philippines. The response of the people from the initial reports of coronavirus was almost hysterical. By the end of April, the United Nations called the Philippines' response to the pandemic highly militarized. To put this into some context, at the height of the country's lockdown, over 37,000 people were arrested for violating quarantine guidelines, according to the Philippine National Police. At least one person has been killed. There was a police officer that hit me in the face with a shield. In this episode, my colleague Ben Westcott is going to take you to a different side of the world to a country where a public health crisis is met by force. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. I've been living in Hong Kong and covering the Asia-Pacific region for the past six years. To understand what's happening in the Philippines today, it's important to go back to the beginning of the pandemic. The first case in the Philippines was reported at the end of January. Shortly after the first case arrived, I still remember it very clearly because within an hour of the news breaking, I was on the commute home and then suddenly everybody like was wearing masks. Regine Cabato is a Washington Post reporter based in Manila. By March, half of the country was under a complete lockdown. The virus was starting to spread locally, rising to more than a thousand cases. Effective March 17 onwards, At the stroke of midnight, travelers were stopped at checkpoints. The next day, public transportation was totally halted altogether. Hundreds, if not thousands of people were left stranded, including health workers. The government responded by passing a law that gave millions of low-income families a cash allowance for two months. It also gave President Duterte emergency powers, including the ability to take over private medical facilities and public transportation. The law punished anyone violating quarantine restrictions with up to two months of jail time or fines of up to 1 million pesos, or $20,000. As the lockdown continued, millions of workers lost their jobs. As of April, unemployment was at a record high. A lot of people who work in the informal sector, these are drivers, these are vendors, people who don't really have regular benefits at work. 
It's important to remember that nearly one in five people in the Philippines were living below the poverty line even before the pandemic. A lot of people were starving and they wanted to ask for food assistance from the local government. On April 1st, in desperation, some residents in Manila gathered in a protest to demand food and other assistance they say they didn't get from the government. The local government officials denied the claims that the community didn't receive aid, saying there was a continuous distribution of food across the city. If we got the relief goods, we wouldn't go out. We'll die of hunger, not of COVID-19. 21 people were arrested for staging a rally without a permit. In the videos that circulated, it kind of escalated into what some people would say was violent dispersal because you could see some police officers in video pushing protesters to the ground. That same day, President Duterte made his shoot-to-kill speech. Shoot them dead! The lockdown of Manila, where the majority of the country's cases are located, was one of the strictest and longest in the world at 80 days. It ended on June 1st and was even longer than the lockdown in Wuhan, China, which ended after 76 days. From March to July, police say more than 70,000 people were arrested for violating COVID-19-related public health rules. Human rights groups say that, in addition to the arrests, some people were singled out for public humiliation at the hands of local police. There have been cases of public humiliation among LGBTQ curfew violators. And another case as well, where some youth who were supposedly violating curfew were put in a dog cage. Another case also showed like youth who were placed inside a coffin. According to local news, the district officials involved in two of these cases later apologised. They did not respond to CNN's specific requests for comment. Near the end of April, a retired veteran was shot and killed by police at a military checkpoint in Manila for allegedly violating quarantine protocols. The encounter was caught on camera. I'm about to play some tape from that video, which some people may find disturbing. If you'd like to avoid this, you can skip forward 20 seconds. And later on, police within the same day claimed that he had a gun in his bag. And this particular claim coming from Philippine police is something that human rights watchdogs would take with a grain of salt because it's something that's often repeated across different drug war reports. The Philippine National Bureau of Investigation later filed criminal charges against the officer involved in the killing, as well as four other police trainees. The officer also faces an internal investigation. President Duterte's campaign against illegal drug use has made headlines all over the world. Thousands have been killed by police since it began in 2016. In practice, the policy may have given police and even unidentified vigilantes a permission to kill with impunity, according to the United Nations. A report from the UN Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights found that police repeatedly recovered guns with the same serial numbers from different victims in different locations. The Philippine government called the findings baseless. You know, President Duterte likes to say he, he likes to govern using violence and fear. Uh, that's certainly been exacerbated by COVID. That's Maria Ressa, 
a former CNN journalist and co-founder of the Philippine news site Rappler. COVID-19 itself, led by the police, the people appointed to key positions uh, at the beginning uh, and until now are retired military generals. And so you have very strange strange instances where in Cebu City, where there was an outbreak in the Visayas, you have the man in charge flying over the city in a helicopter in full combat fatigue, uh, and they're throwing out leaflets and masks. When you think that the only tool you can use is a hammer, then everything looks like a nail. Maria's reporting on the Duterte administration has made her a target in June, she was convicted of cyber libel for an article published in Rappler. Many consider the case, which made headlines all over the world, a threat to press freedom. Despite the fact that quarantine protocols were so strictly enforced, the Philippines' public health system struggled to cope with the pandemic. There was a shortage of personal protective equipment for healthcare workers and a lack of widespread testing. The kind of militaristic response that President Duterte has has come under quite a lot of debate amid the pandemic because it also blew open the gaps in the health system of the Philippines that have been there for the longest time and which for the longest time also have not been addressed. So it was very easy for hospitals to fill up. A lot of hospitals easily ran out of PPEs. All of that happened just two months into the pandemic. Then in May, Duterte's administration introduced a piece of legislation called the Anti-Terrorism Bill. The bill expands the legal definition of terrorism and allows law enforcement to arrest suspected terrorists without a warrant and detain them for up to 24 days. Protests erupted around the country against the proposed law. Human rights activists feared that the law could be exploited to target critics of the administration. Ray Valmorez Salinas, an LGBTQ activist, was arrested for violating health safety protocols at a pride rally where they were also protesting the anti-terror bill. Dozens of police officers in full riot gear came out. Obviously, we couldn't fight back. We, we just had our calls and our placards with us, but they were in full riot gear. Despite the protests, the bill was signed into law in July. Here's Maria Ressa again. This codifies warrantless arrests, essentially. If the government doesn't like what you say, the definitions for terrorism and inciting to terrorism are so broad that anyone could be picked up. And this is extremely worrisome, given the track record of, of this administration. The bill's primary sponsor told CNN Philippines that he personally would guard against the, quote, possible abuse in its implementation. The Duterte administration did not respond to CNN's request for comment. This month, the government also shut down ABS-CBN, one of the Philippines' largest TV networks. Critics have described it as an assault on press freedom that's made especially dangerous during a pandemic when accurate information is crucial. If that had happened at a time when we weren't under quarantine, there would have been mass protests outside. Uh, we can't do that now. And for Filipinos to do that meant risking not just the virus, but risking arrests. And if the virus doesn't get you, prison will. 
Which brings us to the present. Most of the country has transitioned to a more relaxed general quarantine. Some businesses are now allowed to partially reopen in the hopes of restarting the economy. As of today, the Philippines has confirmed over 80,000 cases and 1,900 deaths. To put that into context, it has the second highest number of cases in Southeast Asia, second only to Indonesia. Earlier this month, CNN Philippines reported that a number of hospitals in Manila were already at full capacity, according to the health department. Because of this, a few weeks ago, the government announced a plan for police to conduct house-to-house -house searches to identify and transfer COVID-19 patients to government isolation centers. Officials also encourage people to report neighbors they suspect of being infected with the virus. They said that the goal was to reduce community transmission. But many said that the method closely resembled police operations during the drug war. Here's Maria Ressa again. Imagine if it's evening and you're sitting at home and you get a knock and you get armed police outside your door. It's funny, ostensibly on the surface, it should make you feel better. But in instances where bystanders have been shot in a very brutal drug war, this helps. Create that atmosphere of fear. The government later said that this wasn't official policy and retreated on the proposal. Here's President Duterte in his State of the Nation address this week. The intervention that the government had put in place prevented as much as 1.3 to 3.5 million infections. To me, even if the numbers were much lower, it would have been worth the sacrifice we made. Critics of the government, including Maria Ressa, are afraid that the changes that happened while the Philippines was under lockdown could have far-reaching consequences long after the pandemic is over. This is the death by a thousand cuts, right? Each one, each instance that you allow the government to push you off the line, it takes power away from you, and you will not regain those rights. That's what we've learned in the last four years. That's why we keep saying we have to hold the line. Time and time again, we've seen that this pandemic has brought so many different problems to light. And this is happening not just in the Philippines, but here in the United States and all over the world. We don't know what the history books will say years or decades after this pandemic. But one thing we can be sure of is that the effects will go beyond just our physical health. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.